The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you on Tuesday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get to it. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, and you. Inching closer to Ohio State, Nebraska. Big noon kickoff. Man, we're just gearing up. We are loaded today. We will talk with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Great stuff to tell you about from Coach Chenander and Coach Dawson. A lot of linebacker talk. What can those outside guys do Saturday in Columbus? Big Ten Buffet coming up with Rick Pizzo and Wildman. Tim May, longtime Buckeye insider, 1984. That's how long he's been covering them silver bullets. So excited to get into it. Numbers to dial up, 7-6-800-825-5865. Numbers to, to get in. Can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Give me a follow, Chris Schmidt. Give Damon Barr a follow at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Tell him how you drink your rum. He'll have an answer for you. Uh, I think he goes, you go the Joe Boom out, uh, method route where it's very bad to take Damon Barr slash Joe Boo's rum where you just have a little shot glass for morning breakfast, a little lunchtime, and then for sure to, to come deal with me for a couple of hours. Uh, I keep a little duct tape around just in case it uh, ever falls out of my hand. I just, oh, don't drop any. You got to do that hot glue and just, just put her there. Uh, Justin LaPera is the uh, director for the uh, incredible Husker documentary Day by Day. We will get an update from him on how that's going is so many Nebraska fans excited from that that profile all the names and greats that have participated in it uh the the window of of Husker glory from 93 through 97 so uh that is going to be fun to chat with him here and, and these are the games man when you think about Nebraska Ohio State with why you, you jumped in and what you were excited about Ten long years ago, getting into the Big Ten, the chance to to take on Michigan, the chance to 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 roll your sleeves up against Ohio State, and you know the Wisconsin connection, Iowa, that rivalry that continues to bud, and you know what's what's going to be Nebraska's best approach on Saturday, uh, faith and prayer, yes, but really in all sincerity, you know what what's a What's an outlook for Saturday, and how do you go about putting a plan together? And listen, I have no doubt that Nebraska can can put a rock-solid plan together. They, they've done it before in Columbus. What type of execution can you get? 
What type of, of confidence can can you can you bring with you on the road? Can that be unwavering with as many young guys as you're going to lean on? And you have some vets, too, that, that have been in big games. They've been in some close games. They just haven't had the result that they've wanted in some of those big games. And listen, man, if we take just a, a Twitter poll, uh, an email poll, a straw poll, whatever. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a lot of confidence for Nebraska Saturday uh, with the state, with the fan base, and, and that's okay. You, you're hoping that it's competitive. You're hoping you see some really good things, and you're also hoping that Ohio State, look, they're, they're going to look like Alabama early. Uh, well, they're, they're young guys that are great and probably Sunday dudes aren't going to be able to hit the ground running. You've seen that with tremendous programs where you just can't reload. And then factor in 2020, as psycho as it's been, it isn't a guarantee that Ohio State's going to come out and play great football. It's not a guarantee that Nebraska will will do the same either. A lot of that will have to do with the opponent and just the, the talent level Ohio State possesses. So uh, you have Bill Conley who put out his West preview today, uh, really good football mind from ESPN.com. He's seen some slight growth from Nebraska. Uh, he likes where Nebraska can go, but because of their schedule, he thinks Nebraska is a top 30 program, but because of who they hook up with, four and four uh, might be might be th- the best number. You know, that plus one is is looming out there. Uh, you have run defense that, that's got to be better. Uh, where are you at with uh, your quarterback play? And when it comes to Nebraska, can, can they make enough plays to stay in this thing on Saturday? Yes is the answer. They can can make enough plays to stay in the game. Uh, sure, they can do it, but, but will they? Uh, that's the question. And really, what do you do? What's your What's your plan of attack if you're Nebraska? Do you... Do you come out with with some some option game like you did last year? Now, as good as Ohio State is, they are replacing three out of four starters on the the front line, that defensive line, and also in their secondary. But they've got some dudes that are uber-talented. It's just that they're a little short on experience uh, from the sheer number of snaps. And again, this is is game one. Uh, They're really good at the linebacker spot. They don't lose much there, so... That's that's the, the the trick of it here. Do you do you do you run your quarterback, run some option? You know what was successful with those five minutes. Coach Scott Frost highlighted yesterday in his press conference, hanging with Ohio State for about five minutes, and you had the quick hitters with Dedrick Mills in the fullback spot. You had the eye option game going. Adrian's super talented when he has run that. And I smile and think about Luke McCaffrey uh, with his skill set running a little bit of that. But, you know, if I'm Nebraska here, your your bread and butter this year is going to be leaning on that offensive line. It's going to be hammering the football with Mills. It's going to be what do you get from a Ramir and a Tompkins and some of the young pups that are really skilled athletes. They're, they're just young. And if you're Nebraska, you're you're going to pound the football, you're going to run the football, you're going to lean on the offensive line, and you're going to hope that there's a drop-off from last year's front seven 
that allowed a whopping 2.98 yards per carry, good for number six in the country against the run. Are they as good as advertised? They are on paper. They are when it comes to stars next to their name at Ohio State. Are they going to be as good as advertised in his in, in, in midseason form? Game one, week one, after this, well, game on, well, game off type 2020. So I think the plan is simple. If you're Nebraska, get your run game going with Mills, lean on the offensive line, uh, work with your tackles, uh, see what Ben Hart can do. That's a tough ask for him, but you got Farniak helping him. The tight ends have gotten better. That's the word. And are they going to be better on the edge as, as an extra offensive lineman on top of getting behind and open with some play action? Uh, I don't know that you're going to put a pitch count on on running Adrian, but if he can be that extra weapon and that dual threat with a, with a good attack by Mills, you're going to lean and hold on to the football because your, your best defense is going to be letting Fields with a headset on standing next to Ryan Day. It's very simple football. You're going to try and keep Ohio State away from smashing you with big plays, uh, shock plays, easier said than done, and you're going to hold the football and try and control things offensively. When it comes to the Nebraska defense, uh, it, it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask because you're replacing guys that all played minutes on Sunday on on that front three. Uh, you've got some experience on the interior with your uh, inside linebackers, but I think a key not only for Saturday – but for Nebraska moving forward here with 2020 is, you know, what are you going to get from your outside linebacker play? It's been talked about. It's been circled. It's been highlighted. But what kind of jumps are you going to get from a Caleb Tanner and a, and a Nick Henrich? Uh, where does he fit in? Because he's really made some progress as well. Let's start things off here with a little bit of Coach Chenander and uh, specifically uh, that progress at outside linebacker. Because one of the things that kept Nebraska in the game in 2018, you had a, you had a sophomore, JoJo Doman, that, that played great football and made plays off the edge. You also had the grizzly old vet in, 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 um, in Gifford, Luke Gifford, doing really nice work in coverage, stripping the football, making plays, being a leader. His size and athleticism were nice. He had that one-two punch at Doman, and Gifford off the edge wasn't perfect, but it really gave Nebraska a chance, and it kept Nebraska in the football game by getting some takeaways. Nebraska's run game was nice two years ago. I don't know if the the Ohio State defense is going to be every inch as good as last year or if they regress to – a team that finished, dear God, you know, uh, 12 and 1 in 2018 and won a Rose Bowl for the air quote down year. But you know what Nebraska did two years ago? So that's kind of where you look at. You hope that's a similar type performance with a little better outcome if you're Nebraska. But looking at this team on paper of Ohio State, it's going to be very difficult. Here is Coach Chenander on that linebacker progression. I think there's been a ton of progress, you know, and they're they're doing a lot of different things um, within the defense when we're rotating um, from base and nickel, you know, playing some more true outside backer and then shifting to more of a defensive end role um, when we get into, you know, four down spacing. Um, so they've, they've done a lot. They've progressed a lot. I think their understanding of what they're trying to do is getting better and better each day. And, uh, you know, their, their pass rush is getting better. 
So we spent some time on, on Henrich and, and his role and a little bit more um, expansive description here of, of Nick's impact because they've shifted him outside. He's a good ball player. Uh, he has battled through injury. He could he can be a, a difference maker on the outside, and we're going to talk about that for sure with Mitch Sherman uh, here in about 10 minutes, but more from Coach Chenander. Yeah, I think first off, you know, he's a smart kid that can take coaching, um, and just overall, he's a football player. You know, no matter where you put him, what position you're going to put him in, he's a football player. He understands spacing. He understands leverage. He understands assignment. Um, and he's a tough kid. And he loves Nebraska, first and foremost. He loves the game of football. So he's going to do whatever he has to do to get on the field, whether that's learn a p- new position midweek or, or study it from the day he got here. But I just think he's a football player, and, and he needs to be on the field somewhere. This is Dawson weighing in on Henrich as Dawson's his his position coach doing the work with him on on the outside linebacker spot. Another uh, another voice on the Burke product. Well, what's allowed him to do it is he's a football player. He's a natural football player. He's got a great nose for the ball. Uh, Some of the things that you spend a lot of time teaching guys about – Hey, if you get uh, you know a certain type of block, then you need to transition from the run game to the pass game, or things like that. Where he just went out there and just did it, um, you know, which was really cool to see. He's got that knack and uh, natural ability to find his way to the football. So um, that's been that's been really uh, probably the biggest thing that stood out on, as far as that goes. And then uh, he's he's really smart. Does a great job of taking what he learns in the classroom and bringing it to the field without a, without a lot of repetition, um, which. Which, which is great. So we focused on the new name in, in Henrich at that outside backer spot. What can he give you on Saturday? A name that's been familiar, a guy many Nebraska fans excited about uh, in the recruiting battle. That's Caleb Tanner. Let's, let's go to Tanner as a guy that, that could have a big impact uh, on Saturday's game and, and this season because you need somebody from that outside backer spot to thrive on top of what JoJo Doman's already shown, you're still kind of waiting on Tanner, and you've got a new product to deal with in, in Henrich right now that's nice. But uh, Coach Chenander uh, spent some time here discussing the, the steps here, the, the, the work forward that Caleb Tanner's made this camp. Can it move to Saturday afternoon? Oh, there's there's definitely space for him to grow. I don't think you ever stop growing, especially in college football. Even the best guys, you know, I think Justin Fields, for example, I think I think the world of him, I think he's an unbelievable quarterback. I'm sure Coach Day would say he's got room to grow. So I think there's always room to grow um, for every football player. Caleb is um, closing the gap, if you will, on, on where he was last year to where he needs to be. That gap is closing, but there's always room to grow. And I know Coach Dawson is going to push him every single day to get better and better and better um, until he's one of those top guys in the country, which I think he has the ability to be. That's high praise from your defensive coordinator. He has a chance to be one of the best. Last thought here from Coach Dawson when it comes to consistency. A little bit longer cut, but this is uh, is Coach Dawson on Tanner. Yeah, I think what he's got to do just uh, for him, and he and I have talked about this, is he's got to be an all-the-time player as far as, hey, on this rep, I'm going to be perfect at whatever this situation uh, calls for. I'm going to be really, really good in my buzz technique in in, in a pass drop, or I'm going to be really, really good at just what we were just talking about, setting the edge at less than 90, not getting widened out, not creating the gap inside of me, uh, because not only controlling my gap, but the gap inside of me can't get extended and uh, elongated 
elongated. So just getting better at kind of really hammering down those techniques and not only kind of knowing where he's supposed to go and how he's supposed to fit, but also knowing how the way he plays is going to affect the guy behind him, the guy inside of him, the guy outside of him, wherever it may be, it's gonna your 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 play is gonna affect the guys around you. So, uh, if he can understand what those guys are doing and kind of the concepts of the entire defense, rather than just memorize, hey, on you know if uh, Coach Schneider calls this, I better be in this gap. Uh, so, if you can learn uh, concepts rather than memorize uh, where you're gonna be, I think that helps, and and that's something that I think that he's trying to get a lot better at. Not only understand what he has to do but why he has to do it and how it affects the guys around him do your job (laughs) do your job without thinking too much and and know all your jobs easier said than done that's a lot of responsibility at the outside backer spot you got a kid that's uber talented and athletically gifted to do it we'll dive in on saturday mitch sherman from the athletic he's next with hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery and we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Less than an hour away, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, and Tim May, Buckeye Insider, coming up. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, finally here, man. You ready for Saturday? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more than ready. Man, it's it's exciting uh, that football is going to be here, and I, I I go back and forth on what I think I might see on Saturday, <laughs> and and mm. I want to I want to kind of dive into your your recent column. You had a chance to to get caught up with Joel Klatt. Always love seeing Joel at Big Ten Media Days, and uh, you guys focused a lot on quarterback and your sit down with him, and you know what what's your What's your, uh, I guess, expectation or curiosity level like with, with Adrian Saturday? Let's start there. What do you think you see out of, out of not only Adrian but Nebraska's quarterbacks and Ohio State's amazing on paper? Are they going to be that amazing week one defensively? Those, those are some questions I have. Well, you know they're going to have some guys who can get after the passer. Um, <laughs> Chase Young is gone, but that there are four- and five-star defensive ends right there to replace him. Tyreek Smith is a name that Nebraska fans don't want to hear too much uh, on Saturday, getting into the backfield and, and, and getting after Adrian. So we'll see. That's the first question that I'd like to see answered when Nebraska gets the ball and Adrian takes a snap and drops back to pass. Is Can, can Bryce Benhart and, and Brendan Hymas do the job on the edges to protect their quarterback and give him some time to throw. And I had some numbers included in that quarterback story that posted today. The one you referenced uh, with Joel Klatt uh, interviewed him for that piece. And it it showed how, uh, you know, Adrian, like most quarterbacks last year, uh, he struggled when, when he was under pressure, did not throw a touchdown, uh, two interceptions was sacked 23 times. Uh, It's two interceptions when he was under pressure, no interceptions. Uh, I'm sorry, no touchdowns in that in in the on those past attempts, and he was under pressure a lot last year, uh, in particular in the game against Ohio State. So if Nebraska is going to move the ball, and I think Nebraska can and can score some points against this Ohio State defense, it's going to have to start with the offensive line and protecting that quarterback. Do you go and set up the the, the run game? I mean, is that is that your lunch pail, your bread and butter, your hard hat? 
to, to open up your passing game? Or are you going to have to throw to open up the run? I mean, uh, I'm asking for, for Mitch Sherman's game plan 101 here, but how do you how do you go about doing that? I mean, to me, you got experience at quarterback who's played well up there in Adrian, and you've got uh, an offensive line that is 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 very experienced, and you got a guy like Mills. And, you know, I don't know that you have a pitch count for Adrian with the quarterback run side of things either. I mean, you could one-two punch it there on top of some of the, the other backs behind. I mean, that to me sounds the most sane, doesn't it, to, to go into that and, and see if you can't run against these guys? Sure, if you can do that, it's, that's, that's, a great way to, that's a great way to get things going. Um, you know, oftentimes when you're outmanned physically, and, and Ohio State is just going to have better athletes on the field than Nebraska, that's still the case. Uh, here in 2020, um, oftentimes in those situations, you do have to set up the run with the pass. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska attacks that. I mean, Nebraska is going to want to come out and play its game. And if in 2020, what Nebraska wants to do is to establish the run in order to open things up for Adrian Martinez and those uh, receivers who are largely unproven, um, with the exception of Wandale Robinson and Cade Warner, um, then that's what I would imagine they're going to try to do in this opener. You're not going to give up on on your your offensive philosophy before you get started in week one. But they may have to shift quickly to trying to set things up with the passing game. And then you run into the pass rush, which is, uh, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's another problem. Um, most important, I'd say, they're going to have to mix it up. They're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to mix it up. They're going to have to give Ohio State some different looks. Um, the Buckeyes do have a new defensive coordinator, you know, which is problematic for Nebraska in that there's no tape uh, <laughs> out there to be able to study what he's done with this Ohio State defense. But it can also be an advantage in that, you know, perhaps some of these Ohio State defensive players playing their first game in this, in this scheme uh, won't be up to full speed. And, and maybe there's a way to catch them off guard. The best way I think that Nebraska can have success is to be versatile and mix things up on the offensive side. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic and can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, when it comes to mixing it up, that, that mix-up could be – uh, Luke McCaffrey, I thought the uh, the, yep. the comment uh, from from Joel Klatt in your story that, that Nebraska fans really need to read was that you know have a purpose for McCaffrey. If if you were to circle his purpose Saturday, what 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 assignment do you give him? Well, that's kind of Scott Frost's next great task. You know, he's gotten to this point where they made it through preseason camp, and he had a uh, I think a great challenge uh, in picking between these two because McCaffrey uh, he played his butt off this, this month, and he really gave them something to think about when it appeared maybe coming out of the spring when there was no spring or going into the summer that there wasn't going to be much of a competition this year because McCaffrey didn't have enough practices in the offseason to mount a challenge. Turns out he did, um, and they, they've gotten to this point where they've picked Martinez as the starter, the guy who's going to get the bulk of the reps, um, if not all of the reps, at the quarterback spot on Saturday against Ohio State. So now your challenge is, okay, McCaffrey is clearly one of your better players on offense. He can help you on that side of the ball. So how do you go about creating uh, some opportunities for him where you're not, as Joel said, just trotting him out onto the field to put him on the field? Because that's where it becomes a problem. That's where the old adage comes in. If you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. Um, and, And that doesn't need to be the case in this situation with Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. They have uh, skill sets that are similar but but unique enough that there is a role for for McCaffrey to play in this offense and be effective and help Nebraska move the ball 
without him coming in and just saying, okay, now it's going to be Luke's turn to take a series. I don't think that's what Nebraska is going to do. I don't think that's the best thing. Um, I think a little bit of what we saw last year against Maryland and Iowa is what this thing can be modeled on. But, um, you know, more, more often seeing Luke than just uh, a spot play at wide receiver. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, if, <laughs> if I had a great idea of what they were going to do, um, you know, I'd be pretty happy with myself. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see what uh, Frost and, and Lubick and Produsco come up with uh, on Saturday. Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, I, I don't recall a, a bad game from Justin Fields. I mean, the guy's – he played dinged really well against Clemson. <laughs> yeah, so, he had a great game against Clemson. Right. right. That was that's the only loss. Uh, and you know he uh, he uh, in some ways outplayed Trevor Lawrence in that game. So um, right, you're, you're right. He played he played every every game very well last year. So how do you affect him? I mean, what 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 does a defense do against him? And I know Ohio State's got to replace a running game. And I say you know air quote replace. And I know that they're really good at, re- at wide out. You just haven't heard of all of the guys yet, and they are star-studded on the offensive line, so he's got great help around him, but he could do a lot as a, as a one-man band. I mean, t- what, what do you even recall here? A couple minutes left. What, what have defenses done in the past to even affect the guy? Well, last year was his first season as a starting quarterback, and yeah. nobody nobody had had success in stopping him. Some teams slowed him down a bit. I think the thing you've got to do – is you've got to be really effective in the red zone against him. You can't let them rip off 50 and 60 yard plays, which you know it may happen once or twice in the game, but you can't let that happen often. Obviously, or you're in big trouble. You get them in the red zone, some things start to shorten up. You know, maybe they're going to just run you over and, and score anyway, but make them actually do it. And if Nebraska's defense can be effective in the red zone, if Nebraska can be opportunistic, look, if an opportunity comes on a tipped pass. Um, or, there, or you, you get to the quarterback and you have a chance to strip the ball. Um, when, when, there's, when there's chances to create turnovers, Nebraska's going to have to be opportunistic and effective in those moments. You're not going to stop Ohio State from scoring. You're not going to stop them from putting up a ton of yards. But um, there, are, there, there will be opportunities in that game. It's just going to be a matter of whether the Huskers uh, take advantage. You know, what unit is, is, is the biggest key for Nebraska's defense? Do you look at the D-line? Do you look at the outside backers? The secondary. Who needs to have a great game Saturday? Uh, all of them, but sure. I mean, next again, question. Whoever's position, yeah, <laughs> whoever's in positions to make plays. You know, that could be that could be a nose guard on on one play, and it might be your safety or a corner. You know, you know, you, you have playmakers in the secondary for sure, and you know Ohio State's going to throw the ball. So that's a matchup that if there's one that you can like for Nebraska, I mean, it's not like Nebraska has the athletic advantage anywhere on the field here really and, and even with very good defensive backs there are still going to be times where they get burned by Ohio State's receivers um, or, or Justin Fields just makes a makes a good good play but you know when a guy like Cam Taylor Britt or Deontay Williams um, you know put Markel Dismuke and DiCaprio Boodle in there too that's, per, that's a pretty solid foursome especially when they're all healthy seemingly as they are going into this opener there weren't a lot of well there were no times last year um, except the first quarter against South Alabama when all four of those guys were on the field healthy at one time. And then as the year went on, um, they, they, they just kind of continued to get injured and some of them played through it. So that's nice for Nebraska to have that group that's, that's, that's accustomed to playing together and healthy right now out there. Um, you, you, you would much prefer that over any other option when you go against this offense. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic. at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, about 90 seconds. 
role? What what type of role do you envision for for Nick Henrich uh, Saturday as he's transitioned outside? And also Caleb Tanner, a lot of talk today on the Zoom meeting. Yeah, that outside linebacker position is certainly one to watch. I mean, you know, uh, JoJo Doman is going to be there. Uh, you, you know, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner. Um, it sounds like Feldarius Payne has worked his way into the rotation at that spot. And then Luke Henrich, you know, I can't expect a ton from Luke Henrich right now. Uh, I'm sorry, from Nick Henrich right now. I'm confusing Luke Reimer and Nick, sure. and Nick Henrich. Nick Henrich, the uh, redshirt freshman out of Omaha Burke, um, can't expect a ton from Nick. Um, in this first game because he hasn't been playing that position for long. It sounds like it's just been a recent change here in uh, in preseason camp, according to uh, Chenander and, and what Mike Dawson have said. Um, but I'm sure he'll get in there a few plays, and as the year goes on, he can be a really valuable guy at that spot because he's long and he's rangy, um, and he can do some things from that outside backer spot that Nebraska really needs. They need somebody who can rush the passer. And they need somebody who can seal the edge and help in the run game. Um, he's an athlete. So potentially he can give you a lot there. Probably a good move for Nebraska with the uh, with the uh, veterans in Miller and, and Honus that they have at the inside linebacker spot, and then how Reimer has come on to uh, in order to best utilize their talent to move uh, Henrich to the outside. Well, looking forward to it on Saturday. Mitch Sherman's with us, the Athletic, and uh, can find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Check out his uh, great sit down and story with Joel Klatt talking quarterbacks and Scott Frost's decision to go with Adrian. Mitch, uh, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk soon, and thanks so much for your insight today. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care. All right. That's Mitch Sherman on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Good to hear from him. Uh, We'll talk day by day, the film, the project, the Husker Golden Era, an amazing project that's uh, been in the works. The documentary Nebraska fans are clamoring for an update with the director Justin LaPera coming up Rick Pizzo's on the way in a full Buckeye preview Wild Man, Tim May coming up and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio good stuff from Mitch Sherman gonna want to check that interview out it'll be the on demand section of ESPN Lincoln.com the podcast now on several different platforms once the show's done iTunes of course Spotify, Google Play. We welcome in Justin LaPera, director of the Husker documentary Day by Day. Justin, it's been a while since Boulder, but football's back this weekend. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? Man, gearing up. A little uh, overwhelmed, quite honestly, looking at this Ohio State team. But, hey, it's better than than watching somebody else play (laughs) this weekend. so I wanted to get caught up with you, and, and Nebraska fans love Husker football, and Nebraska fans love the era you are focusing in on, how Nebraska football went from really good to greatness. You see what's happening in college ball with Bama and Clemson, and, and, and let's include Ohio State in this. And Nebraska was, was there you know, a quarter century ago, and for folks that have heard of, of your of your project or maybe kind of know it on the periphery, just let's reset what you're doing, what's kind of motivated you to do this project in day by day. Give folks uh, just a reset on, on what you've been working on. Yeah, so essentially it started out as a, as a single documentary and is now turned into a full uh, featured uh, docu-series, which will be a six-part uh, series each episode, one full hour. Um, and the reason being that 
the story just got huge. Once we conducted, we conducted about 45 interviews with players, coaches, um, everybody that we could, we could talk to, about, including people like Peyton Manning to Bobby Bowden, you name it, that, that wanted to be a part of it. Um, and we allowed them to tell the story. And so once you, you're hearing the behind the scenes of how this dynasty was created and what Tom Osborne did during that time, it just it became a massive project, and we wanted to make sure we, we were telling it the right way. So it's turned into a, it's evolved into a full feature um, series. And so currently where we're at is we're finishing it up, and then we will be rolling it out to the network here in the next month, and that's when we'll find out where it's going to air and when. Um, and so basically what the project is, though, is we, we start from – the time that Tom Osborne took over as head coach at Nebraska and really follow what transpired all the way through to 1997 um, because of lo- a lot of what happened in those early years in the 70s and the 80s, really the, that was the catapult to what's going to happen in the 90s. And so there was this evolution of, of what he did to, to build that team so that when you get to that 1995 team hands down, the greatest team that's ever played college football, um, you can really understand and see what went into that. It wasn't just a lucky recruiting class. It wasn't a specific class. It was a lot of things that happened along the way, and there was a lot of turmoil and, and struggle in doing that and perseverance and, and overcoming a lot of adversity to get to that point. And that's what the story is really about is, is persevering and pushing through and and really, when you see Tom Osborne, you know, his record, you think, well, Jesus, he must have had it pretty easy. He must have been just, you know, you, you barely, you know, you, you only lose a max of three games in a season. You know, you, you must think, oh, Tom Osborne's got it great. And, and really, it was, a, it was a journey for him building these teams. And he tells that story. Um, the expectations were at an all-time high, as they should have been. And, um, and you know, he delivered – and, and the team and the players that he brought along um, obviously delivered. But what they all went through in the mindset is different. And you can really understand when you watch this series, you can really understand the mindset and what it took to get to that and why this group was so different. You really can tell. You, you, the way they talk about the team, the way they the practice, the way they trained, um, the whole mentality of it is something I think any college team – nowadays could look at watch and be inspired because it was it was really unique i think of that standard that osborne set and we're talking four deep uh, we're talking day, daily practices uh, the standard of toughness and competition uh physical and mental toughness day by day movie on twitter's where you follow uh, along uh, you know follow day by day today the documentary film about the mid-90s nebraska football program and uh, Justin LaPera is with us, the director, and, and Justin's done so many incredible projects uh, nationally in the world of film and, and uh, documentary making, uh, major networks, so no stranger to, to greatness. And Justin, when we look at, uh, and daybydaymovie.com is where you log on also and find out more. Got about three minutes here. I, I'm interested, so far through this, this project, and you mentioned it's going to be a six-part docu-series, who are a couple of interviews or sit-downs that have blown you away? Yes, Osborne, but either some players or, or other assistants. I mean, who's kind of wowed you to this point? 
Um, Ron Brown is was a one of our favorites, definitely to interview. He just had a he has a great insight to kind of extracting the bigger picture of these little moments, but they're big moments. But in the moment, you know, for him to be able to assess and observe and to, and to to feel what was going on during that time and to be able, he really does a great job of telling the story of of players such as Brooke Barringer and Tommy Frazier and, you know, Lawrence Phillips' journey to all these players that went through the program, really an inside look at who these people really were and, and, and their stories because they all had different journeys. Um, he was great. Um, you know, Barry Switzer, obviously a character, so he was a lot of fun to talk to about, uh, you know, the early years with Oklahoma, especially – he was good friends with uh, Bob Devaney, so there was some great stories about Devaney in there. Um, you know, Peyton Manning had some great insight, which was always fun. Um, he obviously wasn't too uh, keen on talking about that Tennessee-Nebraska, uh, you know, 98 Orange Bowl game, but, but he was luckily enough to – we were lucky enough to have him on. Um, but you name it. I mean, Jared Tomich was a great interview. I mean, uh, Troy Doom is Thomas, Tommy Frazier um, – you name it, uh, you know, there's so many guys. That, and, and uh, you know, I'm trying to think of Dwayne Harris was another one that was really surprising. So a lot of those guys. But, I mean, they, it was just across the board. I mean, everybody from uh, Grant Wistrom's in there to Jason Peter to, I mean, you name it. If, if they were willing to do it, we were willing to get them on camera. And so a lot of great guys came. And, and it really, it, not a single person left out of this everybody has something to say and something important to say. Um, and so everybody's in this piece. Um, and we had just finished up with Steve Spurrier, actually, just <laughs> last week. He'll, he'll be our last, he was our last interview for this um, to get uh, some insight into that Florida game, which was a lot of fun. Obviously his, more fun for us to talk about than him. But His, his facial expressions, Justin, during that game <laughs> on CBS, where you're just getting it handed to you, and you're a great football team, and I remember being there with my folks, my dad and, and my brother, you know, before kickoff and, and Bill Cosby walks by, you know, <laughs> I mean, to go do the coin flip. Right. And you're like, well, yeah. right. And, and, and then you just see that that eruption. It was incredible. And that's an incredible list, not only with Switzer and, and the old ball coach and Spurrier, but Ron Brown is phenomenal. And I can't wait uh, for this project uh, when it gets wrapped up in the docuseries. Log on to Twitter day by day movie for updates. Log on uh, day by day movie.com. This is the director, Justin LaPera, putting it together. Justin, thanks for your time, and we'll get connected again soon. Appreciate you. Right, thank you. Thanks for the time. We'll wind down hour one next on Hail Varsity. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, 10 minutes away, Big Ten buffet time. Get a preview on Nebraska, Ohio State, the rest of the Big Ten weekend with BTN's Rick Pizzo. Also, sit down with Tim May, Buckeye Insider for four decades. And uh, really cool to chat with him on just what is not only back for Ohio State, but also just what are they what are they going to reload with? And Tim forever with the Columbus Dispatch now with LettermanRow.com. He's got a 
really good podcast and and still does some some really good insight work with Ohio State. So really good first hour. Check this podcast out again. Uh, there's some transition going on with HailVarsity.com. So you want the podcast, subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything, but can always get signed up on iTunes. Uh, Spotify is where we're posted now. If that's where you like to go and, and Google Play. And uh, really good stuff from Justin LaPera, director of uh, Day by Day, the docu-series that's just getting completed. That thing Really awesome. Uh, Switzer's been gracious to us over the years to come on and love talking with Barry a couple times a year. But uh, for them to be able to sit down with Peyton Manning and say, all right, dude, your, your final college game, the way it went uh, was not great. And for you to not only did Peyton Manning like go into the locker room and, and you know how competitive Peyton Manning is, but congratulated Nebraska and, and said, you know, Congrats and best to you, uh, Coach Osborne and Scott Frost. So, Peyton Manning, a, a high-level class act after that Orange Bowl loss. But just that, that Spurrier would sit down. And, and, you know, I love hearing and talking to coaches. That's one of my favorite things to do because they're the experts. They, they know it all. They've, they've been the teachers. And at that level, to, to get the insight. And you're thirsting for it, quite frankly. You want Nebraska to get back to being Nebraska. And that era was so special. It was so uh, impactful to so many of you as Nebraska fans. Growing up, going every Saturday, I mean, that's that's what our family lived for. And we had an incredible time uh, just doing it as as a family. So it's always special memories there. So what can Saturday be for Nebraska uh, against Ohio State? Is it going to be a game where, okay, and here's the thing, too. I mean, you want to go play well, and I don't think many of us expect Nebraska to win, and that's not a shot at Frost or Adrian or the defense or any of that. Honestly, it isn't. You're just doing the math in your head, and that shoe's been on the other foot a lot of times when we talk about the mid-'90s Nebraska teams. They were Ohio State, Bama, Clemson of that era, and they'd just go drill teams. And you think about some of the teams that, that thought maybe they were ready or they're ready to take a step forward. Think of the Colorado teams or the Kansas States or who's on that, that, that ladder climb to try and get away from the kids' table to the adult table in the Big 8 or the Big 12. And it was easier said than done. And Nebraska's got that opportunity to go play well, take some lessons early in a crazy year, put it under their arm and carry it forward for Wisconsin because you can go play well don't get yourself killed but go play well and and take some positives away from Saturday hell take it into the fourth quarter give yourself a chance and Nebraska intends to do that Ohio State will have a lot to say with just what type of competitive football game it is Nebraska will do their best uh, but Ohio State could be just too good. But you can get ready for Wisconsin for sure. Rick Pizzo's coming up next hour with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or one 800 825-5865. 
Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, great to be back with you. Tale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Big Ten Buffet time with Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo, kind enough to join us. Rick, I love following you on Twitter, and you, you posed a, a very interesting Premier League question when it comes to the uh, NFC East. Of those four disasters, who's got the best chance to at least hang with Ohio State? I mean, maybe the Eagles, maybe. <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys, if it's not Andy Dalton. I mean, and you have to remember, I'm a lifelong Giants fan, so the last couple of years have been painful, to say the least. And to watch that game that they actually won against the Washington I mean, I mean, it's like watching. You'd rather sit in your living room and watch paint dry than you had to apply your own self. I mean, it's that bad right now watching that division of football. Hopefully, the East Division and the Big Ten and the West Division can both be better than the NFC East and the NFL right now. You know, I think it's going to be competitive. And, Rick, do you have any any pulse on, on what you'll see Saturday? We've seen kind of ups and downs around the college football world. Some teams have looked good out of the gate. Those Some teams include, you know, Bama's gotten better and Clemson's been Clemson. But some teams have, have struggled. Some teams have been upset. How do you think this first weekend will will round out? I'm not asking for predictions. I'm just asking for, you know, how sloppy is it, how choppy is it, or how clean does Saturday and Friday look? I think that is a very fair and a very topical question, honestly, Chris, because the coaches don't even really know the answer to that question right now. And here's why. Yes, they have had extra time and their players have had extra time see the upsets happen to the Oklahomas and the LSUs and the Texases of the world. So they know what can happen if they're not ready. The problem is, and we're learning this week, that coaches are not required. There's no conference mandate to share your COVID issues. And every single team is having some type of COVID issue, whether it be one player or whether it be multiple players. Uh, you know, PJ Fleck went public and said, yes, we have some issues. I'm not going to tell you how many numbers. None of the coaches right now are willing to share those numbers, but those coaches are working with reduced numbers each day. So do they really know what they have? It's fascinating to listen to these coaches try to explain depth charts, but not try to explain the depth charts because remember these guys have to test each and every time before a game. So if you're a coach, you have to have plan A, plan B, and plan C, and you have to have them ready every single week involving multiple players, it's got to be an almost impossible task for coaches right now. It is, and as you listen to media sessions, be it from Minnesota to Michigan, I want to focus on Nebraska with with Scott Frost, and he didn't lay out anything depth chart-wise except that Adrian's going to get the nod, but Luke McCaffrey's right there. What's been your takeaway uh, with Nebraska and and their – their response and their prep here is, is they get ready for week one. Well, I think, you know, the good thing for Nebraska is you're probably as ready as anybody because you weren't affected early on like some other schools. And I think Nebraska always wanted to play from the get-go as much as anybody, obviously, along with Ohio State and I were the only schools that at the beginning voted against the postponement. So I think the mentality is right. Your trouble then is the schedule that you get, and you get to open against Ohio State. And it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you get Ohio State early. 
before, as you explained with Clemson, right? Clemson didn't really look like Clemson in week one, and then they just dropped 73 this past weekend. So Ohio State's offense is probably not at that point right now. The curse is you face an experienced team who has a quarterback who led his team to the college football playoff. You have as much, if not more, speed on Ohio State's team than any other team in the country, maybe save Alabama and or Clemson, who I think could even up. And Nebraska is built right now with Scott Frost offensively around speed. It's about finding space and using your speed. Ohio State is one of the few teams where Nebraska does not have the advantage when it comes to that all-important element, and that's why this is such a tough matchup. It's exactly what we saw last year when Ohio State just jumped out of the gate and ended the thing before the half was over. So is your answer to, and I don't want to say go gimmicky, but do you look at what you had success with against Ohio State last year, and Coach Frost was was funny and, and lighthearted, but you know it hurt him to say that, yeah, that, that game was close for about five minutes last year, and it was close running a little yep. eye option. Do you go back to that well, or does it even do, or do you just do you with what you have done well under Adrian with um, moving forward here? I mean, put your headset on, Rick. How do you how do you game plan this thing offensively if you're Nebraska? I don't think there are any moral victories here. I, I really don't. And, and I know that you can say, yes, it's Ohio State, and it's going to be a top-five team, and it's going to be a college football playoff contender. No, we don't expect to win. We just have to play better than we did last year, and we need to set ourselves up for the rest of the West Division. I don't buy that right now. This is another one of those show-me games. Show me that you belong in this conversation. Show me that we are not looking for something on A&E in the middle of the second quarter because this game's not worth watching anymore. Show me that you can at least hang for the majority of the game. And to answer your question directly, I think, yes, you do you because that's who you are, but you have to have wrinkles. That's what keeps opposing defenses. That's what keeps your opposition guessing. It doesn't allow them to tee off if you have not just a package for Luke McCaffrey, but you have multiple packages that include things that he is better at doing than Adrian Martinez. And that's really tough because when you are a defensive coordinator, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. It doesn't matter because you don't have as much time as you want, especially in this truncated training camp with the stops and the starts to prepare for two different quarterbacks. If I am Nebraska, I know Adrian gets the start. I know Scott made that clear. I am using McCaffrey in a ton of packages simply to show Ohio State's defense a different look and hope that they make mistakes that are not typical of that unit. Well, and Ohio State, Rick, on their side of the coin, they're expected to reload. And on paper, they've got a bunch of dudes that are the next draft picks for Goodell and Mm -hmm. company. But this is their first rodeo, or at least first experience, some of them, to to play – more than a handful of snaps or situational snaps. So that won't be easy. They're just uber, uber talented. So I think you're right about the wrinkles and keeping Ohio State off balance. Is as good as Nebraska feels about their offensive line, what you've studied and seen from Ohio State, are, are, they, are they down a notch or a peg? Uh, from from last year's incredible run defense. I mean, are they going to? Can you line up and get some yards on him? Is my question. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural to say that they have to be down at least a quarter of a peg. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about Chase Young, a generational talent, and so many other guys in that defense. But there's a name that we didn't hear a lot about last year, Zach Harrison, because he's a guy who was waiting his turn. And there has now been a lineage of defensive linemen from Joey Bosa to Nick Bosa to Chase Young. And I'm telling you right now that Zach Harrison's going to be the next guy. Uh, I mean, my colleague Howard Griffith absolutely loves this young man. He is a game wrecker on the defensive line. They still have talent and speed, and they have also, I think, something that's a little bit underrated. And when you look at some of the best programs, the best defenses in the country, they have defensive backs who can not just cover, but who like to tackle. And that's what Urban Meyer recruited, and that's what Ryan Day has recruited. Sean Wade fits that. You have so many draft picks from Ohio State over the last four, five, six years who fit that mold as defensive backs. So what that does is it eliminates your opposing offensive team from those 15, 20-yard chunk runs that really crush the defense. Ohio State has figured out after giving up a bunch of those three years ago how not to give them up now. It's not all about the front seven. The back four also need to get involved. And that's why I think Nebraska, even with an improved offensive line, isn't just going to be able to run the ball between the tackles. You're going to have to change something up schematically to get those defensive ends looking into the backfield and making the wrong decisions. Rick Pizzo's with his Big Ten uh, Network, Big Ten Buffet at BTN. Rick Pizzo on Twitter's where you follow him. You see him throughout the week on BTN. So, Rick, a, a thought here. Is there a, a quarterback that Justin Fields reminds you of that you've seen, or can you compare him to anybody? He was incredible last year, and he's back for more, and he fought to be back and try and, and finish this thing off for Ohio State. Who does he, who does he compare to you? I mean, what, what, uh, what's that conversation? What are those names? You know, the, now this is a pretty big comparison, but it, it, because it's at Ohio State, because it's the same position, you know, uh, Troy Smith won the Heisman, mm-hmm. but Justin Fields, to me, has a little bit of that in him because he's a guy who is a dual-threat quarterback who I think is an unbelievable runner, and he is so much faster than you think he is, but he has an area to grow as a passer. And when Troy went out and had that incredible year before he was done, he became an elite passer. I spoke with Urban Meyer about this very topic yesterday, and I said, if there's an area that a Heisman Trophy finalist and a guy who made, what, two mistakes all of last year – can improve upon where is that area. And he said, surprisingly, despite his ridiculous touchdown-interception ratio last year, it's as a passer. He needs to know where he's going with the ball a little bit quicker. He needs to be more decisive when it is not the first and second read and make sure that you go to that check down and not rely strictly on his speed. But he said he just happens to be a quarterback who can make all the throws that has Braxton Miller-like speed. I mean, remember how, how fast Braxton Miller was? He just didn't have the arm to get it done. Fields has the arm to get it done. Clearly, let's be honest, Trevor Lawrence right now is a runaway leader in the race for the Heisman Trophy, but I have a feeling that in four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about a two-horse race between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Ohio State wants to go out, dominate, do their thing. Are they concerned at all about style points since they've had to wait so long? You look at what Clemson just did. Bama got kind of lit up after allowing 48 to, to Lane and, and Ole Miss. But, man, they, they hunkered down against, um, uh, against Georgia last weekend. So is Ohio State looking to just go out and play their game, or do they want to make a statement? 
You know, I think that's a great question right now, Chris, because of what has happened to all the Big Ten teams in the AP poll. Preseason, Ohio State's number two, right? Mm -hmm. Then they're number five right now. They were number six or seven last week before they were allowed back in. You're telling me that people really believe that North Carolina last week was a better team than Ohio State? No, but out of sight, out of mind. People just hadn't seen them. So for Ohio State, Ryan Day wants to tell his team it's about W's. First couple of weeks, let's get the wins. Let's stay in the hunt to be undefeated, to be a college football playoff team. But when you're 19 and 20 years old and you're looking at these polls, they matter a little bit to you. And you're thinking, did these guys really believe that Team X is better than us? We went to the college football playoff last year. We have our quarterback back. We've got an All-American on the offensive line, an All-American in the defensive backfield coming back, opting back in. So I think the players maybe feel that way a little bit more than the coaches. But I do think, Chris, it's going to take a couple, maybe even three weeks, for the polls to actually reflect what the voters really believe because they need to see these Big Ten teams in action for a couple of weeks before they're ready to put them in the right slot. Rick, uh, I want to ask you about uh, the rest of this Big Ten weekend in a second, but just overall your feel for Saturday with big noon kickoff. And I know you guys will be in Columbus, and I know you're in in Madtown Friday. But do, do you think do you think this thing can can be competitive for a while? And I know you you gave me the right answer on moral victories, but I just don't know if this thing's 2019 or 2018 or somewhere in between. I think it's probably somewhere in between. And as I described it, a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I think it's more of a blessing. You know, there were so many complaints. You heard them all right from big red nation and all the Husker faithful. Why do we have to start with Ohio state? I got to be honest with you. I think you'd rather face them in week one than week five. Yeah. I really do, especially in this weird year where training camp has been so strange. I think that helps Nebraska. I really do. I think it evens the playing field. And I think Nebraska is closer. But let's be honest, Chris, and I've made no secret of this over the past couple of years. Until somebody shows me that they are on the same level as Ohio State on a consistent basis, there is no one right now that belongs in that conversation on an even level because – That's just not the case. Penn State has been there for a while. Michigan State has been there for a while. Sure, there have been upsets. Congratulations to Purdue on pulling a couple of upsets. But at the end of the day, body of work, right now there is no one that is level. And I think anyone that tries to convince you has not watched football in the Big Ten over the past couple of seasons. Rick, game of the weekend is what? About 30 seconds, bud. Michigan-Minnesota, it is a terrific matchup. We're going to see Joe Milton's first start. For Michigan, we see Minnesota loaded. Back, Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Chris Ottman-Bell, Mo Ibrahim, bunch of guys on the defensive side. I'm telling you right now, nobody wants to believe me. It's a tough game for Minnesota. You get through that week one game, and I have a feeling that in early December, we may be talking about Minnesota again as a sleeper college football playoff contender. They have the schedule, and you know what they did last year with close wins. I mean, you want to talk momentum. They uh, they yep. won a lot of big games. Of they, they had a really tough November finish, but I still remember the the party in in Minnesota after the the Penn State win. Rick, we will be watching you this week and this weekend. Thanks for squeezing us in. Know you're busy. Always appreciate you, man. Hey, man, I love it. We'll be doing this play over the course of the next uh, nine weeks or so. Sounds good, buddy. You take care. Thanks All again. Right, take care. There he is, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, Big Ten Network. You follow him at BTN. 
Rick Pizzo. Good chat. And, you know, somewhere there's that gray area, and you've got recent history to look on. The, the, the near upset by the Big Red in 18. The Buckeyes that were a title tilt squad in, in 2019. We'll get more on them silver bullets. Tim May up next. Buckeye Insider with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Nebraska, Ohio State Week. Season's getting kicked off. We welcome in uh, big-time Buckeye insider Tim May with the LettermanRoad.com. Tim, it's awesome to get caught up with you again. How you feeling heading into week one that's taken a while to get here? Seems like it's taken three years. This 2020, uh, Chris, has been one for the record books in terms of hurry up and wait. Uh, you're not going to play. Yes, you are going to get to play, but you're not going to get to play October. You're not going to get to play to the third weekend of October, blah, blah, blah. But the third weekend of October is upon us. Pretty exciting, I think, if you cover football, you know, like we do. And then, and then on top of that, you know, just the anticipation of the start of a year and the unknowns that come with that. It's pretty interesting that it's still here. And I keep reminding people, as bold and beautiful as the SEC is in uh, scheduling 10 games, for example, they haven't played all 10 games yet. So this <laughs> is going to be an interesting year, just uh, literally from day to day, but uh, season, but uh, definitely from week to week. Tim Mays with us here. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports. And Tim, what do you expect in Saturday to look like? Do you have any gauge? I mean, this is going to be as great as football will be. It's going to be such a, a weird, eerie sight. Yeah, you know, Ryan Day even alluded to the fact, you know, they're going to have this ambient noise piped in at all the Big Ten games. Uh, crowd murmurings, I think, is how the Big Ten uh, described the pre-recorded stuff. And uh, then when big plays or something happens, they can juice up the volume from 70 decibels to 90 decibels, you know. And so that's interesting. But as Ryan Day pointed out in Ohio Stadium, you get like this echo effect going, you know, because it's, you know, just like uh, Memorial Stadium there in, in Lincoln, you know, it's a big you know, it's a big empty when it's empty. Mm. And so that's going to be interesting. Having only about a thousand people in the stands, most of them parents of the players, is going to be interesting because they'll be making their own ruckus, you would think. Matter of fact, I even asked some of the, uh, some of the Ohio State parents whether they were going to try to have a get together with the uh, Nebraska parents because let's face it, that, those two groups, along with, uh, uh, the Nebraska players and Ohio State players and even the coaching staffs and administrations are probably why the key key components and why the Big Ten is even playing in October from the, the from the ruckus they put up, you know. And so see how much noise – it'll be interesting to see how much noise they can put together on a football Saturday. Tell me a little bit of your interpretation and, and reaction to Nebraska and Ohio State teaming up like they did to, to get football and – Nebraska was loud. Ohio State carries such a huge stick, not only with uh, Dr. Borchers, but also Gene Smith and, of course, Ryan Day. Uh, just just the, I guess, the camaraderie that will be put on hold for sure Saturday, but just this journey they've taken together. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Uh, you know, crisis makes strange bedfellows <laughs> because otherwise they're extremely competitive on the recruiting front and – you know, any other way you can think about football goes. You know, you've got one, you've got one program that's, 
literally at the top of the heap, you know, both uh, both in your own neighborhood and then across, you know, across the nation. I'm talking about Ohio State. You got the other that used to be that way. That's working very hard to try to get back, and so the you know the just the competitive competitive competitiveness that comes with that. That's easy for me to say. Uh, that comes with that though is is interesting to sort of put aside uh, for a common cause. And you know, I had uh, Jack McEwen on my podcast this week from the Omaha World Herald, and we were talking about that. You know, probably the one that really kicked the tires to begin with were the Nebraska people, but the Ohio State people were right there with them. I mean, Ohio State tried to be sort of a, what you call a good member, you know, of, of the club when they first when it was first announced that football was being postponed till the spring, whereas, you know, the Nebraska folks let their uh, – Misgivings about it all uh, show right from the start of that, and then but Ohio State jumped right back in there. Gene Smith holds a lot of sway, the athletic director of Ohio State. Dr. Christina Johnson, the new president of Ohio State, imagine her 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 first days on the job were in midsummer, and uh, this is what she was walking into. But she is very pro, very pro athletics and uh, and football in particular, and so she really moved. Uh, I think she made her voice heard after some tentative steps uh, among her peers in the Big Ten, and that's why we're sitting here today. Of course, the lawsuit that uh, was brought by the Nebraska players helped uncover some of the irrationality, irrationalities, if in fact that's a term of some of the reasons why the season was postponed to the spring in the first place, and uh, there wasn't a lot of reasoning going on except just because – you know, and uh, and what you found is you watch football all across the nation here in the last uh, six weeks, seven weeks. People are playing. Some of them have had to postpone games, obviously. Some guys have had to step aside, but they are playing the game. And uh, so far, it's been pretty safe when it comes to the COVID-19 aspect of it. Tim Mays with us, LettermanRoad.com is where you find him. And get Tim on Twitter at uh, Tim underscore May Sports. Tim, when you look at this Ohio State squad, the the expectation is just reload. You have Fields back at quarterback, but give me kind of a, a rundown of, of what what the expectation is for Ohio State on the lines of scrimmage. You guys have always had incredible skill and ball hawkers in the secondary. Nebraska's excited that Okuda's playing somewhere else and you know, with Chase Young. But what's what's uh what's what monsters are lurking, I guess, is the question that's that are supposed to be the next greats. Well, that's what Ryan Day is trying to explain to people is this is a different team, you know. And uh, I have I have already written and talked about this on my podcast many times. Offensive line, uh, for example, this is as deep an offensive line and capable an offensive line from that from that depth standpoint as I've ever covered at Ohio State. I've been covering the team since nineteen eighty four and was around it for uh, seven eight seven years before that. Uh and then uh and then of course you've got the best quarterback in the country are arguably he's at least in the running mm-hmm. in Justin Fields. We all saw you know what he did last year. You know, and if he hadn't hurt his knee there in that Michigan game, who knows what what he would have been like in that game against Clemson when they really needed some uh, quarterback runs they didn't get, but still almost pulled it off. Uh, but you've got this offensive line. It's uh, in essence you got Thayer Munford at left tackle, who probably would have been a five star uh, recruit if he hadn't switched teams going into his senior year and then get, didn't get to play his uh, his senior year in high school. And uh, then the other the other four starters are all five stars. 
former five-star prospects, you know, not the least of whom is Wyatt Davis, an All-American at right guard last year. He, you know, he left the team, but then as soon as the Big Ten decided to revisit something that they didn't want to revisit, you know, he uh, and moved the moved the uh, season back to the fall. He re-upped with the Buckeyes. His uh, grandfather, by the way, was is the late Willie Davis, oh, defensive great. end of repute for the Green Bay Packers way back when. And uh, but then you got Josh Myers at center, uh, Harry Miller, uh, fresh uh, uh, sophomore this year at left guard, at right tackle Nicholas Petit Freer. He seems to have won a battle for that starting job, although he was pretty much considered to uh, be the uh, heir apparent there. But he won a battle for that starting job with another five star, Paris Johnson. So in essence, you got four five stars and a guy that should have been a five star uh, starting on the offensive line with a bunch of backups there behind him. And in uh, at wide receiver, uh, the safeties coach for Ohio State, Matt Barnes, referred to the house the collection of receivers as electric. As the uh, the other day, when we were talking to him about it, and he says it's the best collection of receivers from a depth standpoint he's ever been around. And uh, he's the safeties coach because so he gets to see these guys on video every day if you follow my drift. Oh yeah, that's the reason I ask him about it. And then at running back, you've got Master Teague the third back, and I can guarantee you, Nebraska fans remember Master Teague the third from that game last year. I called him the guy they put in. It was the fatigue, uh, the fatigue unit they put in to wear on defenses after J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields had kind of uh, softened them up. And then they've got four guys extremely capable. They do believe at tight end, led by Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert. Who uh, Jeremy Ruckert can stretch the field, good receiver. And then Luke Farrell is a. Uh, Really good blocking tight end and receiver, so they feel really good on that offensive side. Yeah, you just kind of laid out uh, as uh, if I could paint a thought bubble of my listeners right now. Uh oh, I mean the, the 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 Vegas spread is the spread. Ohio State is out to to make a statement. Uh, let's go to the defensive side uh, yeah. real quick. Uh, I mentioned the the two incredible draft picks that are now in the league with uh, with Okuda, who was just phenomenal last year in Lincoln. Chase yeah. Young, Scott Frost, Frost has uh, draped praise on, on him, you know, even yesterday. But tell me about Harrison and, and Wade. Those are two big-time uh, just playmakers for you defensively at Ohio State. And then who else? Who's kind of an under-the-radar, if there is such thing, on the, on the, on the Silver Bullet squad that, yeah, that folks may yeah. be uh, waiting to hear about? Yeah, there are several guys who are under the under the uh, radar because, like you just pointed out, a lot of guys left from that great uh, defense from a year ago. And like you talk about Okuda, you know, you know it's your night when you can, when you intercept the ball while you're laying on your back. <laughs> so <laughs> I know well, it's Nebraska not your fans, night. <laughs> yeah, I know the Nebraska exactly, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the bottom line is, they're yeah, they're replacing some big time players. Zach Harrison was a five star, one of the top rated recruits in the country a year ago, and played a, quite a bit as the year went on. He's replacing, in essence, Chase Young. You got some other guys. Jonathan Cooper was a returning was a captain last year, suffered a high ankle sprain which kept him out of all but four games last year. He's back now in his, in essence, his uh, fifth year, and uh, he's going to be the other defensive end. But you got this kid named Tyreek Smith, for example, who got banged up as the year went on last year. But if he stays on the uh, – you know, he's one of those guys with that great explosive uh, uh, first and second steps, you know, as a defensive end who could really turn heads. Oh, sorry, and you got a bunch of guys behind those guys where they're, where they're really trying to replace people, uh, quality people, uh, is in those defensive tackle units because, you know, really they're going to have, in essence, uh, 
four new starters across that defensive front when you really look at it. And uh, the, de- the defensive nose tackle and then three technique, you know, uh, the guys that were really good there last year, Devon Hamilton and Jay Sean Cornell, of course, they're gone. They're also in the NFL. But, uh, you know, Tommy Togiai is a guy to keep your eye on. He played quite a bit last year. They're kind of scrambling at that other defensive tackle spot. But there are three or four guys that could play, including uh, Haskell Garrett, a kid who was wounded uh, in a when he tried to break up a, a domestic dispute back in the summer and got shot. The bullet went, went through his cheeks, uh, and he's been recovering from that. He's a guy who may or may not play much on Saturday. Uh, but they've got other guys that are ready to step in, like a Jaden McKenzie and uh, names like that. So keep your uh, keep your program handy. And in the defensive backfield, they've got one returning starter in Sean Wade, and really he was the he was what you'd call a nickel cornerback. But Ohio State played one high safety and three corners almost all year last year, and he was one of those three corners. Of course, he returned. He left the team for a while, but returned after they they got uh, the clearance to play. He'll be one of the safety and one of the uh, cornerback spots. Probably Marcus Williamson will be replacing him in that slot corner. It looks that way right now. A guy who's been there for a while, a journeyman. And in Seven Banks, another journeyman will be probably at the beginning, at least, in that other uh, uh, cornerback spot with possibly Cam Brown or somebody else also stepping in there. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. More minutes, Ohio State preview with Tim May, LettermanRoad.com. More on the Buckeye secondary. At safety, Josh Proctor, big-time recruit out of Oklahoma three years ago. He's been waiting his turn and learned from a really good one in Jordan Fuller last year. They think he might be ready to play, but another guy who might not even start in the game at that spot is Marcus Hooker, the younger brother of Malik Hooker, who everybody remembers from Ohio State from several years ago. You know, great center fielder. Safety, his brother is a lot like him. Uh, Josh Proctor is more of a roll up and and uh, hit you hard in the in the uh, in the slot kind of guy uh, at a safety spot. They're both considered uh, rising uh, possible playmakers, so that's what they're dealing with. But they got all they got three linebackers back: Tough Borland in the middle, Baron Browning, who was his backup in the middle, is now at the strong side uh, linebacker spot, and then uh, Pete Warner, who started the last uh, two years at. Uh, at the uh, strong side linebacker spot is now uh, the starter at weak side linebacker, and they've got a they've got a a slew of journeymen, uh, second third year players who are champing at the bit just to get a chance to play, like the Roger Mitchell, Kayvon Pope, Dallas Gant. Those are just to name a few. Tommy Eichenberger. So they feel like they've got the depth there, but some of those guys have not played a whole lot yet. Tim May, a couple more minutes with us. Hail Varsity Radio preview in Ohio State, Nebraska. You can hear Tim May with his podcast, LettermanRow.com. That's on Apple and different uh, podcast platforms. And uh, you can read Tim, uh, of course, with LettermanRow.com at Tim underscore Mays Sports is where you follow him. Tim, you know, where, where can Nebraska or how, in, in your eyes, can Nebraska hang around at this? We, you know, it's it's just Tuesday, but a lot of Nebraska fans remember the the effort that Nebraska had in in 2018, and I know that was a that was a different Ohio State team, and it was an Ohio State key, team coming off that what the hell happened in West Lafayette. Uh, fast forward to last year, Ohio State was you know as good as advertised, the real deal. So. Yeah. How do things at least stay somewhat competitive and in a non-embarrassing fashion for Nebraska Saturday, or is that likely? 
Well, even last year when you look back on that game, some things went topsy-turvy for Nebraska, yeah. including, like I said, that interception when Jeffrey Okuda was laying on his back, a tip ball. The guy was open, you know, and Adrian Martinez missed him or he didn't. Let's let's say he didn't put it. He didn't drop the dime in the bucket. Let's put it that way. And uh, and that, you know those were the kind of plays that kill you uh, when you when you get a couple of turnovers like that, like Ohio State did early. Of course, Chase Young might have had his best game of the year last year at Nebraska when the bright when the bright lights were shining. But uh, Nebraska always has a good plan offensively, in my opinion. I thought they really were affected last year. And Jack McEwen and I talked about that when Adrian Martinez got kind of banged up. Uh, he just didn't seem to be the same player, you know. Uh, he wasn't, and and uh, and that really hurts you in a game like that. Because I've always thought, like I said, Nebraska's had some pretty damn good plans mm-hmm. offensively. So they've got to like take advantage of some things that a young defense, a youngish defense, is going to give them on Saturday. And we all remember last year when they jumped into the I formation suddenly that homage uh, <laughs> series until they turned it over. Ohio State didn't have anything, didn't have any idea what to do with it. You remember that? Remember that the little series little option of plays, football, yeah. The homage to the to the great days of the I option, you know, and uh, and and uh, interestingly, that's where I'm curious, and most guys who cover Ohio State are curious, is to see how well Tommy Togi and those middle guys in the middle of the defense, defensive front, play on Saturday, because uh, now the focus is on them. They've got to rise. You got to figure. Scott Frost and his group—they know who the who the new guys are out there. Uh, they know who, know who to pick on, and and possibly as uh, John Cooper used to say, scratch where they itch, you know. And uh, so I would expect uh, I would expect Nebraska to have a pretty pretty good offensive game plan. But the thing that uh, the real quick, the thing that he's got going for him. Scott Frost did that he didn't have last year. I think he feels like Luke McCaffrey can also play. Mm-hmm. So Fajer Martinez isn't necessarily getting it done. You can get uh, Luke McCaffrey in there and maybe uh, punch some other buttons. You do have options at quarterback. Nebraska's going to need to be better, and, and you and I both know this, against the run in the Big Ten. Pass rush has been a, an issue. Uh, Tim, as we wrap here, and it's so good to talk to you. Next time you're in town, brother, we are going to hit Misty's. I know we talked about that before uh, we, we started chatting here and get yeah. us a, a Nebraska steak. I'm, I'm interested in, in what – what what the feel is for Fields, and and what I mean by that is, is he a guy that's so cool and calm, he doesn't get into that realm of trying to do too much because it looks like it's he he does everything with ease. How how's his headspace going to be with this drive? I mean this this bitter taste they have of either falling short or getting hosed uh, against Clemson last year. I mean is he going to be able to to stay within himself and and just be great? Yeah, you know, they had the they had both of those feelings leaving that field. And, uh, you know, the adults in the room, which were the referees, kind of messed them over a couple of times. But the bottom line is they still had a chance to win that game. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Chris Olave zigged when he should have zagged on that last pass and because uh, they had him matched up against uh, probably Clemson's fourth or fifth best defensive back. You know, that's – you know, yeah, does that stick in their crawl? Absolutely. But Justin Fields, you if you watched last year, which we did, he got better seemingly on every possession and uh, grew into that. You know, it was his first year as a starter in college, his second year in college. He had started at Georgia. He uh, started his career at Georgia, as you well know. But uh, in Georgia, it looks like they could use him now. But I digress. Bottom line is, he. I think the only thing he needs to guard about is, you know, he fought 
tooth and nail to have this season, mm. as you all know. Started that petition. They got all those uh, ridiculous number of signatures, you know, online, et cetera, on Twitter. Uh, he and Trevor Lawrence kind of teamed up in that regard to say we want to play. Uh, but the bottom line, I think what he has to watch for is maybe being a little overeager, you know, because now, you know, Christmas has come, you know. Mm. <laughs> he asked for this gift, and now he's got it. You know, you don't want to be like my dad when I got a Cox-powered uh, airplane when I was like eight years old, and my dad took it out to flight for the first time. This was for remote controls, and he, he went around twice, got dizzy, and tried to flip it around his head, and, the, and that plane crashed right into the parking lot and never flew again, you know. You don't want to be that, you know. You don't, you don't want to be too eager. And uh, and plus he's got weapons around him. Trey Sermon, the transfer running back from Oklahoma, you know, Master Teague the third, like we talked about, just the running backs, and then uh, and then those receivers. What they want him to do is run the offense, stay efficient, and if the big play's there, take it. And uh, and and of course, everybody knows that he's healthy now. And when he's healthy, he has a sub four point four second forty. Mm-hmm. So he's always a lethal threat to run it. There you go. There's your rundown on the Buckeyes. Good luck and God bless for Nebraska. Tim May with his LettermanRow.com, the podcast, and, of course, his work covering Ohio State. Tim, we'll talk soon, and thanks for your time today. You, you got it, Chris. I'm looking forward to that steak from Misty's, my man. I'm telling you that right now. We're going to hit Jaybird up uh, down at Misty's, and we'll get, T- we'll get Tim May, like, seven-inch thick filet. And then we'll just feed Ohio State about 70 of them so Nebraska can get the cover. Man, I'm excited. I'm fired up. I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday. And a busy rest of the week with Hale Varsity. We are, at Con- we are going to be at Concater Brewing on Friday, Roadshow Friday. The Hale Ale is incredible. And the amazing folks at Kincaider having us out uh, this Friday. The uh, great folks from Broken Bow. So excited about that. And then weekend editions on the road. Getting you ready for the watch party in the rail yard, Nebraska, Ohio State with the Cube. So we'll be uh, doing a pregame 7-9 Real Red Reaction. Powered by Hale Varsity. Gets rolling right after Nebraska, Ohio State. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Awesome show today. Many thanks to Mitch Sherman, Rick Pizzo, Tim May, and uh, Justin LaPera. The director of Day by Day, an update there on the docu-series covering the Nebraska Golden Era podcast will be up. Damon Barr will make sure that happens. Go to iTunes for that. Subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. Good, bad, ugly. We'll take it and we love it. Uh, also, Spotify, Google Play. That's where you need to go. There's some cool changes going to the Hale Varsity website. So the uh, platform is the uh, where you need to go with your, your app store. To get the podcast and uh, check out ESPNLincoln.com for sure to get the on-demand uh, if you want to hear the interviews. And, of course, Damon will have things up on the two-minute drill with the Twitter handle from Hale, uh, from ESPN Lincoln. And, of course, those interviews that are posted. A reminder here, there's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving 
An impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high is never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop any more folks from getting killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Get a ride. A DUI costs you more than you think. This message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Damon Barr, we are going to talk World Series. I am just excited. I love that Game 7 with Atlanta and the Dodgers, and that's not to throw shade on Cranach or Hooksy, the two Braves fans I know from the Otis Nixon days. But just what a, what a good ball game. Interested to see uh, Bellinger, how his shoulder is. He's batting sixth tonight. The Rays, really good story. And uh, the two great records. So Kershaw and Glasgow uh, tonight. So who you got? How many games? Damon, you're, you're an Astros guy, so Dodger fan really hates your team. Uh, that said, do you have a lean at all? Or are you just going to throw on some mad men and, and, and do a little Indian food tonight with uh, – uh, Mrs. Damon. Well, you, I got. I kind of got to give it to the Dodgers. Honestly, they're due for it, Chris. Honestly, dude, I, I, I was ten that. years old throwing <laughs> stuff at the TV as I watched Canseco turn and watch Gibson's game one home run leave Chavez Ravine uh, to right field. Yeah. that was me as a ten year old. All sorts of piss. That Oakland team should have reeled off at least two championships instead of the one. Right? With Oral Hershiser and Steve Sachs and, and Gibby. I love Gibby. I mean, Gibby's cool. But, yeah, Oakland was my bandwagon team with the Bash Brothers in the late late 80s. So, for them to not win anything in 32 years is nuts. They've been great, except when it comes to the postseason. And I like Kershaw a lot, but that guy gets hammered a lot for his postseason. I know a lot of Dodger fans. I respect the, the Dodger fans I know. I don't dislike the Rays either, though. So where are we going here? I'm, I think it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, it, it's not going to be a close one, though. I'm, I'm, I think it's over in five, honestly. All right. So LA you're taking the Dodgers in five. I will not disagree with that. I've had a successful run with Elijah and the steak and the beer bed. I mean, I'm going to be owed a side of beef the way things are going this football season. But maybe we just better. If you're taking the Dodgers, I'll take the Rays in seven for a handle of Captain Morgan. That's a deal. That's All right. a deal right Damon's there. like, do it. All right, back at you tomorrow at four. Thanks with Hale Varsity.